Welcome to the After Contract Hours podcast, the show where we clock out at work to check in on the well-being of the world. In today's episode, inspired by a motivated middle school student athlete of mine, we explore the journey from middle school to collegiate success in the world of sports. Our special guest is Coach Cornell Robinson, the Director of Wrestling at Wyoming Seminary College Preparatory School. Coach Robinson isn't just a born-to-be coach. He's a force to be reckoned with in the world of wrestling, having carved out a path to become one of the best coaches on a global stage. He is a mentor, a motivator, and a living testament to perseverance. Join us as we tap into Coach Robinson's wealth of experience, gaining insights on how young athletes can prepare for challenges and make their mark in athletics. Whether you're an athlete, a supportive parent, or just curious about the journey from dreams to triumphs, get ready to be inspired and equipped with the knowledge you need. Let's dive into the conversation with a man who turns dreams into reality. Record on this. Okay. Oh, it's going. It's going. All right. So today we are on an extra special episode with a former colleague of mine who I have not seen or talked to in a couple of years. He has had a major life change, career change, and I'm so excited to tap into this. So this is Cornell Robinson. Thank you for being here with us today. No, thank you for having me on, Courtney. I appreciate it. Thank you for thinking of me. Of course. I'm honored. I'm so excited. So go ahead and give us um, a little bit of a background on who you are and what your journey has been like. Okay. Well, of course, my name is Cornell Robinson. I was a teacher and a wrestling coach for 17 years uh, in the Winsville School District, actually. That's kind of where I started my main teaching career. I've been all over St. Louis, Parkway, and McClure North for a small stint, but always been passionate about coaching. I uh, always knew I was going to be a coach and one of the best coaches in the uh, country and the world for that matter. I, I think in my yearbook, uh, I put I will be in the NFL and I'll be one of the best coaches in the country or in the world. So I always knew that. Uh, it's kind of always been my calling. And uh, when I was teaching and, and coaching, I, you know, coaching, I wouldn't say it outweighed teaching, but I knew I just wanted to coach. Uh, but I wanted to stay at the high school level. I did not want to be a college coach. I kind of have, I think I have a good knack for high school kids. So I kind of want to do that. But it's hard to find like a full-time coaching high school job. You got to teach. And, you know, everybody told me that's not realistic. You're never going to find it. Well, they found me. And uh, so I was at Winsfield School District. And this job opened at a prep school, which was like the number one wrestling prep school in the country. Mm-hmm. This coach left for a college job. I started interviewing three years ago, and they already got me in beautiful Pennsylvania. So mm. I moved to Pennsylvania three years ago, and uh, yeah, it's a great school. It's a prep school, Wyoming Seminary. Like I said, it's one of the best wrestling schools in the country, and, and not only that, it's a tough, tough academic school. So mm. I get I get to recruit wrestlers from all around the world, and and, and give them a great education while they're here. So. Do two things, check off the box. Wow. Hold on. Okay. This is, you're probably going to think this is so ridiculous, but I have to pause. No, you're good. You just gave me goosebumps like 18 times, okay. no matter of like the two minutes that you just described this. From you pretty much just said, like, people doubted you and look at what just happened. Like, and you had all these visions. So I started this stupid little thing. It was actually this last episode I filmed. Um, I get goosebumps so easily like people just give me chills i love listening to their right. well, that's, that's the cool thing about having a podcast right the motivation right. everybody's stories yeah so i created this thing called a goosebump jar so anytime i get goosebumps i put a marble in a jar <laughs> and i'm gonna go get the jar i need all it. right <laughs> it's so funny oh my gosh you know what we're gonna use a measuring cup for now because i can't okay. reach level but literally i was telling the the person I had on my last episode, I was like, I said out loud, gosh, you gave me goosebumps. Gosh, I have goosebumps. And I'm like, dude, I just need to get like a measuring tool to show yeah. how powerful these episodes are. <laughs> I awesome. did like that. That is powerful stuff. I loved just hearing that stint and you chasing your dreams. Now, are you married and have kids and packed up the life completely? <laughs> well, that's a whole nother segment, but yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, you know, I wanted them to follow me here, but they didn't. They, they, uh, uh, she chose to stay there, and my son actually goes to Timberland. So, okay. you know, yeah, in my mind, actually, that's why I took the job because he gets to go here for free. Mm-hmm. But, hey, what do I know? <laughs> I guess this is not a good place for him. You know, a lot of kids go to Harvard and Yale and MIT, but 
hey, some people don't want to go there, I guess. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's part of your story, though. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. So the guideline for this particular episode, I had a student um, that really wanted to learn more in the physical health category. But the beautiful thing about health, as you know, because you were a health teacher, um, you can start with a physical health topic, but there you can, you know, tie in so many different elements. So um, he wanted to learn about how to become the most successful wrestling athlete. And it it was a middle school age student that submitted this request. Um, and so my first kind of prompting question for you is how would you describe the best, you know, career path for a middle school athlete going into high school and beyond? So what does a successful athlete look like starting in middle school going up like that for you? And we're just talking about wrestling or just athletics period. I'm going to let you answer that how you okay. want. Uh, I think really once you're in middle school, especially once you get to the eighth grade uh, age, it's time to kind of start making a choice. You know, when I was at a normal public school uh, like Winsville, the exceptional kids who parents really listened to me, I had them take the ACT when they're in seventh grade. And uh, it's a kid named Jack Dara who was at Winsfield School District. He actually followed me here, and he was at CBC as well when I coached at CBC. But I had him since he was like five years old, and I advised his parents on like my thoughts. You know, they didn't listen to me a lot, but they did listen to me on some stuff on education. And he took the ACT with his like seventh grade, and he had like a twenty-three. And of course, now he's at Stanford. So <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, you know, once you really know what you want to do in middle school, you know, that's the exception, right? The kids who really know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you you know, if you're an average athlete who might excel later in your career. But I definitely think middle school is about seven to eighth grade is about time to make a, a choice of what you really want to do. And not saying that you have to be a one sport athlete. I think you can do two sports. I think three is asking a lot. Uh Two sports can be fine academically, right? Hanging that and trying to be great at two sports. But I think eventually you may have to make a choice just because, you know, I think the sports world now is so competitive. All these kids have personal trainers, uh, you know, academic advisors and tutors. And uh, it's just different. And actually seeing this aspect of it, you know, so many families at the school I'm at, Wyoming Seminary, so many families either up and move their whole lives just so their kids can be a part of what we're building here, or they send their kids on their own to be a uh, to live in a dorm. So, yeah, I think once you know what you're chasing, you, you gotta make a commitment to it. I think uh, middle school is about the age to where, you know, you know some of our best gymnasts in the world, America. I mean, they make that decision at 13 or 14. So. Mm. you know sometimes we think it's a bad thing but it's not a bad thing knowing what you want I think me as a a middle school kid I would look at myself and look at what I had to endure going through the Ferguson Florissant School District not that I didn't like it but I always felt like I just wanted more sports and there was no more sports in middle school so Mm. I mean if you think of it that way I think I was hindered I never really fit in I had to do other stuff to try to fit in where I really just wanted to concentrate on football and and do that but I had to do other stuff just to fit in and play basketball or stuff I didn't want to do Mm. because there was nothing else offered and nobody thought outside the box like sports is not important wow didn't know that that's yeah that's huge so when did you start wrestling then in football those are your two things I really didn't start wrestling uh until high school to be honest with you all my brothers wrestled uh and so I just kind of joined it. I did wrestling just because I actually played basketball a lot, but I was getting big and I hurt my knee. So Mm. I went to McClure North and our wrestling coach was real good. And I acted like I didn't like it, but I loved it because you didn't have to depend on anybody else. Uh, You know, it's tough. It's real tough. It's not for everybody. So, uh, but if you like betting on yourself, it's definitely the sport for you. And I'm going to go back to education uh, a little bit because I, you know, I have kids now from overseas and on my team and I've been over there a lot. And it's weird in other countries, if you're good at a sport, your school is connected with that sport. 
So, you know, that's a, a good thing, I think, for the most part. Like, so you have your identity. Sometimes I can see it being bad also, you know, when kids change their mind and want to do other sports. But I think that's pretty cool. Absolutely. No, that definitely is. And I also like how you said you said something really pertinent, I think, that a lot of kids need to hear as they kind of go into high school. You know, so many middle school students are naive to the fact that they do have to make these choices going into high school. Like there are, you know, your two favorite sports may be the same season and that's, that's not going to work long-term, you know, the, the coaches on the two teams may tell you that they're willing to try, but like when you get into the meat of the season, like you do, like it's, it causes a lot of problems to try to juggle things, but even being a three sport athlete in the fall, winter and spring, like that can be a lot. Um, and I, I do agree with you having two, I think is doable in a healthy way, mentally, physically, emotionally, but three can be really taxing on the body and the mind and decision-making ultimately. And I, I think, uh, you know, one thing I would tell the middle school kids, which I know everybody here, you got to get your grades, get your grades. But I think now dealing with it, I can be more specific. I would tell any middle schooler who wants to have a good sports career, you know, you have to have your grades, and the best thing is to have no C on your report cards. Right? Mm. That's you, that gets you ready for Ivy League. And if you can get close to an Ivy League, usually you can go to any other school you want want to go to. So no C's. I, I like yeah, that. Yeah. Like usually, that. you know, if you have a C, that usually kind of puts you out of the range of Ivy League. But you can still maybe catch on too. But yeah. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. That's great feedback on that aspect. And I think in middle school. Um, a lot of kids have either figured out if that's the right terminology or not. I'm not sure, but they, especially since COVID and maybe you can attest to this too, but like we handheld and spoon fed so much to our students, even to our college kids. Like I teach college too, you know, we had to, we had to give a lot more grace and all these things and turn things in late and, you know, miss deadlines. And we just want you to get through, you know, mental health aspect, you know, just make it through. But like we, we pass these kids on to the next grade and they're underdeveloped ac- academically. Like I'm just from my experience anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Now COVID was a, a trip and it definitely was, uh, yeah, it definitely is something else, you know, and that's a, you know, I'm putting a plug in for our school here, which is a, a different school. But if you want your child to repeat a high school grade, you can repeat here, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So Mm-hmm. And a, a yeah. lot of people choose to do that. Yeah, that's that actually is really interesting. I didn't know that. That's very interesting. So, and you know, eighth graders, for example, especially like they're about to be in this big transitional phase of life, going into the, a new chapter in the high school, and you know, a handful of them are not taking middle school grades seriously, and you know, they just n- think or know they're going to high school regardless if of the C's and D's and F's on yeah. their card. And so, what do you have to say on that? You know, <laughs> that, that's a good one because you know I actually had a good experience with that when I was a kid. I think uh, when I was at Cross Keys Middle School and ready to go play football at McClure North High School, and I just remember you couldn't have two L's on your report card as an eighth grader, and they wouldn't, or you couldn't play freshman football. And mm-hmm. I remember I worked hard. I didn't have great grades, but I remember I, I knew that rule, so I kept my grades up as much as I could and. And I remember Coach Severe, the freshman coach, called me out in front of the whole team and was like, hey, you know, you have two else, you can't play. And of course, I went home crying. I'm like, oh, I didn't have two else. Uh, and, you know, I think the thing about those situations, and back then, I think pe- coaches didn't think about that. You know, that's something they should have did in private, mm-hmm. right? As a middle school kid wanting to play and, you know, but 90s, nobody thought about, cared about kids' feelings as much as they do now, but... Yep. Whatever, you know, they kicked me off and, you know, my mom had to call and fight it, which not that she was a crazy parent, but I mean, that's kind of one of the things we talked about the whole time when I was struggling with grades was why I need to keep my grades up. So mm-hmm. anyway, of course, she fought it. We got back on the team. But I think nowadays it starts over, right? When they get to high school, you can have bad grades in middle school, but it doesn't matter. We're going to give you a chance. I think that's good and bad because I think. I think some kids deserve that second chance, right? You're a different eighth grader than you are a ninth grader. So I do agree with that. But like, in my experience, it motivated me to keep my grades up that semester from leaving middle school. So Mm -hmm. I kind of got mixed feelings on it. You know, 
Uh, and even though I went through a situation where the coach read my grades wrong and still seemed like he, he kicked me off. Uh, yeah, that, that was definitely something in my life that I won't forget because I felt, I felt, you know, all my brothers played at the school. So I was kind of in my brother's shadow. So I felt like they were happy about it. And they mm. may not have been, but I felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I can imagine that. That's, and I, I do like that you said that that should have been done in private. I mean, there's, there's so many different ways that different coaches even today handle things still and have their own coaching style. And I do agree with that. You know, if you had been on the team for a couple of years and it was your junior year and you were a leader, like you could have been made out of an example out of right. maybe that situation, but like, a, you know, going into your freshman year, middle school kid, like, yeah, that probably wasn't the greatest way, but it stuck with you. And I do like how you also said that your mom kind of fought for you in that sense and got you back on that team. How did you feel once that was all done and over with, and you were back on the team, essentially, like, were you, uncomfortable around those coaches moving forward or how did you get through that no I think uh I mean sometimes I did complain about coaches but I I, I stayed and played you know I wanted to play so it didn't bother me as much that's why I know like when kids say they quit because of the coach I'm like well you just didn't really want to play to be mm -hmm. honest with you like I mean I know it does take a lot to endure some coaches and whatnot but you know if you really want to play you'll figure it out but uh no I I, I enjoyed it I I definitely you know, worked hard and, and tried to make a name for myself because I seemed like, you know, I wouldn't say they were against me, but it just felt weird at times. But uh, I made it through. You did. Yeah. And that, that's been part of your story and part of why you are the way you are and resilient and a hard worker. And I love that. That's incredible. Um, My next kind of prompt to this is, so now let's think of like the high school athlete. They really want to go to college um, for wrestling or for football or for a sport. And you are their coach. You're their mentor. How do you prepare them? I'm going to go the mental route. How do you prepare them mentally? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good, good question. Because there's so much involved with, if we just take the sport of wrestling, it's so much involved. It's mentally being prepared for certain matches, mentally knowing how to have your nutrition together. So you can perform in good matches and then keeping your grades up as well. I think uh, I'm a little spoiled here now because our academics are so tough. And I mean, basically we're here year round. Most of the teachers live on campus. So mm. there's so much stuff for our kids to succeed. But when I look back at my time at uh, Christian Brothers College High School in St. Louis, our uh, coaching in Winsville, you know, it's kind of a different aspect to it because once you're done with school, and you leave school, and even if you stayed at, with a help for your teacher at 3 o'clock, you know, your day is over. You're not going to see your teacher again. You don't have a mandatory study hall. Right? <laughs> so you really have to have a, a parents mm. who, who are able to help you manage your time. I think every successful kid, even though there are a lot of self-motivating kids who do it on their own, but I think it doesn't happen without a tough mom or a dad that's helping them stay organized and driving them practice and, and get them there and making sure they get their homework. But as a high school athlete, like I said, the most thing you got to really focus on is your academics. Because if your academics is straight, I think you can go anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. uh, everybody's looking for a good student. And, and then if your athletics is solid and, and better than most, I think you can get on that, get to that school and get to that team. And, you know, I, I think, uh, one thing sometimes the college aspect loses is some college coaches don't talk to the high school coach. Not all of them, but mm -hmm. I think if your high school coach can say something good about you, not your club coach, because your club coach gets paid mm -hmm. to talk about you, right? They, you're, you're paying their pockets. So if I'm a college coach, I'm listening to the high school coach who doesn't make a lot of money and do it because they love it. They usually tell you the truth right? about the mom, the dad, the whole family. So uh, mm -hmm. but the club coach who you pay $5,000 a year to, to play baseball for, no, he might give a couple college coaches a different view. That's a great perspective. I didn't even think of that at all either. That is a really good perspective. Sad too. Like, but that is the reality, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah. And our high school coaches, like, especially our coaches in, in like Winsville and these public schools are some of the hardworking coaches who are underpaid and, 
not saying everybody, you know, teachers do. Right. But, but you know, you really do it because you love it. You know, your stipend might be $5,000, $6,000. And, you know, you're traveling every weekend and getting kids good. So it's definitely, you know, if I'm a college coach, I definitely want to listen to my, what the high school coach has to say about you and your reputation. Mm. So that's a good one to keep in mind when you're a high school athlete. Yep. No, that's fantastic. I love that. Because I, I mean, I went to Lindenwood for track and cross country, but I, f- I remember my dad pushing me with academics. I always was a decent student, you know, A's, right. B's, but I remember him wanting me to get into Lindenwood for my grades first. And then, you know, the running part came naturally with that. So I, that is a good point. All right. Now what, you know, this is the St. Louis question. What high school did you go to? You know what? I actually went to Illinois, um, okay. Freeburg, Illinois. Freeburg, yeah. The midgets. <laughs> <laughs> That's so unpolitically correct. But... I, know. I know. I know. That was our mascot. The uh, midgets. Yep. And then my parents are divorced. My mom lived in Belleville, Illinois, Freeburg, and my dad worked in St. Louis, lived out here. So that's how Lindenwood kind of came into play. But yeah. But I remember even in college, like they were very strict about grades and I loved the routine though. Like I was so busy in high school and college and I felt like keeping busy in high school with being in sports, working grades, like that prepared me for college academics, athletics a lot. Yeah, no, no, that's awesome. Like I said, any chance you get to go to any type of college and and get to do a sport that you love, it's, it's a great opportunity. Mm. And, uh, and and definitely something to be grateful for. Yes. I just said that the other day to one of my friends, like, I don't know who I would be if I didn't have that experience, you know, like the idea of going to college and being in a sorority was never something that <laughs> spoke to me. Like I never, not knocking them, uh, I mean, there are great yeah. but you know, that just never piqued my interest, but like being in sports was such a community. I'm sure sororities and fraternities are too, but you know, I don't know. I just, I was healthy. You know, you had to make good choices to stay on the team. You had to be good, a good person, good student, good athlete. And you had to maintain that reputation to really survive being a college athlete. And I, I don't know. It's, I agree with you. It was a very grateful experience because I don't know who I would be if I didn't have that structure. And that's another thing I think I would advise your, your eighth grade student who asked this question about specifically for wrestling, one thing in any combat sport, right, uh, and anything you do, you should definitely be grateful. You know, you should be grateful of your coaches, your workout partners, for the person who can beat you up mm. and for the person who you can beat up, right? All those are things to be grateful for. And then definitely your coaches who can bring in more knowledge. And and even the, the wrestling is really a chosen suffering type of sport. Mm. So, uh you know, it's hard sometimes to be grateful for what goes on with it, but they're all tough lessons that you eventually see in life that you can use. I got a good story about that they look like they were suffering, but yeah, it's uh, funny here. Like we have also, we have the top women's program in the nation. I coach both the girls and boys. And mm. so the uh, school nurse, you know, especially people who never been around wrestling, which is weird because they're at the number one wrestling school in the country, but yeah. we have like a nurse and some people who've never been around wrestling and some of the girls are just looking tough because uh, there might be, you know, it's close to a tournament. So they're holding their weight down. And I had to explain to the nurse, I said, let me cut you down probably to maybe 1500 calories per day, maybe a little less work you out twice a day. And let's really see how you feel. And at the same time, you got to go sit in class. Yeah. 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 See, see how your body's feeling. He's like, well, is there anything we could do for them? Like, no, it's, it's, it's the struggle. Yep. Right? Got to <laughs> adapt. Like, well, maybe they're doing it wrong. I'm like, could be. Sometimes you can do it wrong and it can hurt your body. But for the most part, it doesn't matter. It's just you're just cutting calories down. It, it hurts. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, for and, sure. Have you had, um, so I'm foreign to the sport of wrestling. Like I've been around because of you guys and like Ryan and people who are passionate about it. But like, so you have more cases of, having your athletes cut than bulk do you or is it kind of the same mixtures I mean of course you always want to be at a good weight I think uh you know I'm having a kid now who's probably going to bulk up to 190 so and I don't think he's a true 90 pounder the thing 
uh, about it at, here at the school I'm at now because of these kids have been so good maybe losing weight to wrestle. They think that's how you got to do it. Or the parents think they have to how you do it. And sometimes it's not that way. Sometimes it's easier to go up. So it's a, it's a tough juggling act. I think uh, even with the girls, now I know none of them yet want to go up. They're all about going down. So mm-hmm. it's, it's all been uh, interesting learning factors. And so, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely, like I said, chosen suffering. That's the, the pain that goes with it. Right. One of my, um, I think she's a sophomore now. I taught her for summer school health for high school a couple of years ago. And um, we reconnected and she's a soccer player. And I was like, oh, so like, I, was, I was like, are you still loving soccer? Is that your favorite thing? And she, I was like, are you doing any other sports? And she was like, yeah, I actually picked up wrestling, like to get in shape for the soccer season. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the words I would never <laughs> ever have muttered like I'm just gonna wrestle to stay in shape and have that chosen suffering I've been such a wimp like my brother is big into like jujitsu and rolling and he keeps telling me like come roll like come learn and I'm like ah yeah you you should I think jujitsu I think is perfect for just self-defense and uh I think everybody should have a martial art I think you should always learn some type of martial art it's good for you yes and it's a lifetime fitness Whereas wrestling, it's hard to do that for a lifetime fitness because it's so competitive. Mm. Like the wrestling people are so competitive, it's just insane. But jujitsu, you can kind of learn from somebody who's like a black belt or three, and they won't hurt you for the most part. Right. Mm. And wrestling, you wrestle somebody who's been wrestling their whole life, they're gonna hurt you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't know Unless why good, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they will. They're strong. And I, I see it even in Ryan, like just being around him at school when he's teaching, you know, I mean, he's not wrestling people, but just who he is as a person, like he's so disciplined, he's structured, like he's tough. Um, and I just love seeing that because kids, kids need that teaching too. And not to be so, I don't know if soft is the right word, but just yeah. you know, life is tough. Sometimes we do have to bite the bullet and move on. And I think you can just see very clearly in someone like Ryan, for example, like, that wrestling has taught him so many beautiful lessons and it shows in him as a man to kids. Like, I love it. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you hit that on those and I'll share another story, which I know might be messing you up here, but it's, it's a good one. No, you're uh, good. And, it, and it's my story. And I share it sometimes to people, uh, you know, just say life lessons and how to be tough. You know, my father was murdered when I was a freshman in high school oh. and the wrestling coach picked me up from the funeral. I had wrestled that night. So, yeah, and when I made it through that, I'm like, I can make it through anything. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a, a crazier deal. But that's how, you know, my first year up here in Pennsylvania was real tough. You know, a lot of parents trying to get me fired. Uh, mm. Some kids acting like they didn't want me here. So, but it was nothing but a piece really? of cake. Yeah. Nothing but a piece of cake. Look at <laughs> I love that for you. Like, but that, again, that's the, the mentality that you've been trained to develop and you've, you've had to in order to yeah. survive yeah. and where you're at. So first of all, thank you for sharing that. I'm terribly sorry about that experience for you. Yeah. Dear God. Yeah, um, but that's, that's right. Who makes you, you like, those are the things that makes you who you are, which is obviously a very looked up to awesome individual. And like, even when you were in Wentzville, I didn't see you much unless it was at like the PD days, but yeah, everybody had just the best things to say about you like oh Cornell like he's just he's so cool he's so chill like he's so fun he but he knows his stuff like it was kind of like a a mentor even though I didn't see you much I was like so so you moved from uh town middle now I did I went to north or now I'm at North Point Middle the new middle school you like that better or just like a new business I don't know I I loved it. I love it both. I, of course, I love the bells and whistles and the ability to start in a new space. Yeah. Like you go from the oldest building in town, <laughs> the newest. So I think of course that feels nice to have bigger facilities and stuff, but there's pros and cons to all of it. You know, it, I I mean, I loved Winsville middle so much. That was my first home. That was my yeah. first home. So you're connected to that and those kids and the people that work there with you. So it was a lot of it was an emotional roller coaster, but it it's I'm happy. We have a great team. So it's do you do it's, you know Zamet? Danny Zamet? I don't know Danny. Okay. 
yeah, it's Ryan, Danny, me, Jen, and then um, a guy, Andrew, that came from a different school district, but that's just it's an amazing department. So awesome. Yeah, that's uh, funny too that they, I don't know if it's still called Town Middle. Like that whole concept was funny. Yeah. Town Middle. Yep. I <laughs> know. In town. I know. I cannot believe that was three years ago. So didn't you, when you uprooted and moved to Pennsylvania, didn't you, wasn't it kind of like in the middle of the school year? Yeah, so that, that's the whole idea. I'm going to go back. I started at Winsfield Middle, too, because I went Winsfield Middle, Frontier, to South Middle. And the only reason I went to South Middle so I can get to know all the kids before they went to Timberland, since I was a the coach there, and mm. I didn't leave in Timberland. But, yeah, so when I was interviewing, when the job came open, it was, like, late August, and the their committee didn't make the decision until, like, September 1st, and they were trying to rush me up here, and I'm like, hey, I... You y'all just told me I got the job. And <laughs> like I you're gonna have to give me some time. Like this is crazy. Right. You know. Uh, but yeah, they like three weeks later they wanted me up there. So I tried to I had to get out of my contract with Winsfield. And what an amazing opportunity. So yeah. uh but yeah, it was definitely like a whirlwind. And and even since I've been here, so they actually gave me the coaching job. So all I do is coach all day. And they gave me a house. Uh yeah, so I got a house here. and But this is a whole story, too. So my first year here, the house is kind of old. And, you know, it's East Coast. This has been around forever. like, And the school's been around since 1844, I think. Mm. And uh, so I have the house. And then that first year, you know, it was turmoil. I came late. You know, coaching changed. Everything is just crazy. So I make it through the first year. I'm coming back the next year. And I'm like, all right, now I finally can start you know, I build a program I want to do, start, I think I'm going to stay, I'm going to get the house the way I want it, the house floods. Oh, a pipe no. bust. Yeah, a pipe bust uh, open on the top floor. It's like a three-story house that they gave me, which was nice. Yeah. Busted up, all my stuff gets flooded. I was coming back from Budapest with a kid named Luke Little Doll, who was, he was supposed to go to Francis Howell, but he came to wrestle for me at CBC High School. And when I got the job here, he followed me up here also. But anyway, we came back from Budapest. My house flooded. And then they threw me in a dorm. And I'm like, I'm not staying in the dorm. And I left, found a place to stay. But beginning this year, they got me a new house. So I'm in my new house now. Goodness, that is a yeah. ride. <laughs> it's been crazy. Dear sure. Lord. That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot unless of stress. A, Yeah, unless a person might have quit by now. It was been crazy. Now, when you got there, like, the moment you moved up there, you got in the house that they gave you. Did you, that's a lot of stress that you had to endure. I mean, like yeah. that's a lot of change, right? And stress yeah. comes change. So did you feel like you had people to kind of like help you get through all of those? No. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I just had, uh, you know, it's a guy here, Tommy Federici. He was, uh, his son is on the team. He was the main one in my corner. And I had a coach here with Weber that was helping out a lot. And a few of the parents, right? But, you know, people don't understand. This job is basically like a college job. And uh, I guess I'll say a lot of power, I guess, comes mm-hmm. with it. So there's always somebody coming from the angle. You know, the East Coast is different than the Midwest. Midwest, for the most part, it's what you see is what you get. Everybody's pretty nice. You know, East Coast, things are moving and grooving fast. And you're not paying attention. Get over <laughs> oh man yeah. I can't imagine I could like I commend you so much for taking a risk like that I cannot imagine uprooting and doing something like that but again it's a testament to who you are and like the passion that you have and the dream that you had when you were so little you know and yeah yeah for sure it's it's definitely fun I, I love it you know I get to travel the world coaching and you know I I think it's cool because sometimes you think you can't make a career out of being a coach or you know and you can make a career out of it even as a high school coach so it's pretty cool no that's amazing and I had never heard of a position like that before until (laughs) you I heard that you did that and then Ryan kind of filled me in on what you did and it was just like wow like so to those out there even adults or young adults that have a similar passion that he has of just being a coach and well, it's not just being a coach or so much more yeah, than that, but like, it's possible. You can do that. It's wild. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of rewind a minute. You mentioned it before about parents and how having like strong parents that 
got their kids to practice, got them to tutoring, got them all that. Like that's something that has helped your school and your program be successful is having rigid parents. I want to ask you, um, how do you deal with difficult, actually define difficult. Uh, <laughs> well, you, look, I, I, can t- I can write a book on that one. And uh, well, I, I'll say this, you know, as a coach, I know we may be talking to kids, but as a coach, if you don't have crazy parents, usually you don't have a good team. Mm, mm. So I would say that because that's that's how the kids got good. Uh, you know, it's 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 so many ways. I've learned a lot since Whitfield. I mean, a reason why I left, I was the head coach at one point in time. I think we were ranked thirty eighth in the country. Mm. Uh, is when I made a parent mad, and of course I uh, ended up getting in trouble. So I left and went to CBC, which mm. was the best thing that ever happened to me. Well, like, there you I'm go. so glad those parents caused the fit and thought they could control me. So yeah. they did me the best favor of all. Because if I would have stayed, it, I think it would have held me back because I couldn't do as much as I did when I went to CBC. CBC kind of gave me a little bit more free realm of stuff I like to do. Mm-hmm. So I got to CBC. I got to really expose myself. And with that, that's how Wyoming Seminary found me because of all the stuff I did with CBC. So blessing in disguise, <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah, I, I dealing with parents is, is uh, difficult. Even at this situation here, right? You have, you know, I think every situation prepared me. I think the situation I had in Timberland, where, you know, these parents really thought they had power and money. Then I got the CDC around people with more money, and I was like, oh, they didn't really have money for real. They yeah. have money, <laughs> right? And and our power, and then coming here to double the amount of everything that I dealt with there uh just taught me how to maneuver and what to say I think bottom line I think uh one thing that's hard to do is never take what they say about you personal I think Mm. it's just business and then sometimes these parents when they see their kids a certain way and what they want for them sometimes they're just kind of blinded and don't realize how they hurt everybody else thinking what they're doing what's best for their kids Mm. so you know and 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 I tell this to people too, and I don't mind it. And they're like, well, you know, make a decision that's best for, for their kid. I'm like, yeah, I agree. We should. But remember, I got a kid too. Mm-hmm. So if you get me fired, my kid don't get his toys either. So, yeah, that's a good <laughs> So, you know, it's always a happy ending line. But no, I don't really take it. I say the best thing is don't take none of it personal, which is hard to do. But. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Well, and I remember, so I teach eighth grade fitness, personal yeah. fitness classes. And, um, Kind of really the, just a side note, the main motivation behind this podcast, I just didn't know it was going to be a podcast before that assignment that I even did was my fitness classes because their behavior, it's a co-ed class and, Mm -hmm. um, great kids, like not bad behavior, but just insecure behavior. Right. Like as an adult, you and I understand that, like a lot of, a lot of insecurities with, kids who are athletic come out in cockiness and egotistical stuff. And I just was having classes that was booming with that. And I'm like, okay, I see right through it. How can I help? Like in the curriculum for the fitness class is so outdated. It's all physical related. (laughs) And we don't talk about mental health and fitness and, you know, body image and how to overcome insecurity. So I, I wanted to do something about that. So I basically like had my kids take this um, assessment, like a self-assessment on mental health and physical health and kind of where they see themselves at right now, kind of a thing. And that prompted really good open conversations, which was beautiful. And I remember asking them, I just said, guys, we talked about parents briefly and, you know, how some parents can overstimulate and overly pressure their kids to outperform others. And, you know, where's that balance between being a loving, caring, supportive parent that pushes them hard in a good way and then just overbearing like a helicopter parent it's too much and I remember just asking I go raise your hand if you feel that you've been helicoptered too much like overly pressured to where you could crack mentally with your sports or whatever because also this current class that I have is the most athletic fitness class I've had in the past eight years of teaching like it is I love it it's so amazing and the potential is there to unleash so much greatness for these boys and girls, but so much so in the back. Right. So I asked him that question and I, I swear all, but maybe two kids raised their hands <laughs> saying that they 
they crack under the pressure. Their parents, you know, if, if they miss a shot in basketball, they're instantly looking up in the stands, you know, waiting for that disappointed look from their parents kind of a thing. So questioning for you is like, what would you, well, if a parent was listening to this, how would you kind of advise them? I don't know. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's funny that you even brought that up too. I'm a, we're off here. So we have, you know, our following is all around the world. So I have this little series that I made that me and the kids do videos called that parent. I may send you one of them. Did you go, Stu? No, or, I did not. Did you stay back there? Yeah, I stayed back. I got, I got a kid who goes here. Uh, right on. Looking for a little advice. Right on. I mean, how do you get somebody um, to uh, this real do this level? Show you well, first off, I have them up at 4 a.m. every day doing a thousand double legs before the birds are even up. So let me show you this. Five a.m. I'm doing it and working, buddy. Yeah, that's not enough. You got to be up early, 3:30, 4 a.m. You see this right here? I won this back in 1985 in the Missouri State Championship, so I know a little bit about wrestling. You're not that stupid. What high school was it? Both yeah, high yeah, 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 yeah. You were almost on a cereal box, my man. Yes, sir. Right on. Yeah, I remember. Right on. Well, what's your future plans? What are you What are you doing with Duke from here on out? Well, I'm gonna keep coaching Duke and uh, get him into the Senior World Championships one day. So. Yeah. Well, I'm Senior World. That's a different level up there. That stuff he's competing in now, a little bit JV compared to the No, my son league. knows what he's doing. All well, right. with you at the helm, I don't see how he could fail. Right on. Man, I really appreciate your help. Have a good day, Always, sir. always help here. Thank you. Appreciate it. And, yes! uh, and we do, like, different scenarios, pretending to be a sports parent, a wrestling parent, and just <laughs> different situations, like yelling over the coach or, you know, just a, a good one is what you just said there is uh, – you know, if they make a mistake and then, you know, waiting for the dad to yell at them or mom to yell at them, I think, you know, in, in this life and, you know, when I got on this journey of, of really saying, hey, I want to become the best successful coach that I can, not only that, just a successful person with money, I started talking to all these mentors in St. Louis that were close to me, like millionaires and how did they become rich? What do they do in their business? And then I found out this thing called failure. And I'm like, man, everybody I talked to failed so many times. Hmm. And that was the key. Like, they all failed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, not being afraid of failure. And I think when the parents have that thing of where all the kids make mistakes and they yell at them, I think they make them scared of failing, which is the, the opposite of how to become successful. You got to fail to figure out what's, is go- what's going to work. You know, mm-hmm. and... Uh, even when I was thinking about taking this job and my mom was like, well, son, you take it. You know what happened? If you fail, so what? Start over. Mm. You get knocked down, get back up. It is what it is. So mm. I think, you know, now if we just, that's the bigger picture. The smaller picture is, you know, little Johnny's at wrestling practice or Carolyn's at basketball practice and mix a shot and your dad does that and have to look up to them. All you're doing is hurting their focus. So a lot of parents here now, for the most part, uh, they kind of drop their kids off and go, which is is good because no, it just gives them that that's their free time. That's their free time to go do what they want to do, and, and especially in a sport like wrestling or any sport. But I will say, wrestling, if you don't love it, by the time you get to college, you're not gonna make it through because it's too it's too painful. Mm, yeah, that's that's a good point to make for those that want to wrestle beyond. So that's that's great. 
nugget. But then there's also the hard line. And, you know, we talk about this in our PE department a lot. Like our, our feelings are valid naturally. Like if you're feeling as a middle school athlete or high school athlete, if you're feeling overstimulated or overly pressured, like that's happening for a reason, but there also is that line of like, a lot of youth sports today, youth athletes lack the toughness. I'm just going to say it. You know, we teach team sports classes and that's one of the lessons that we're trying to instill in our classes is like, you know, you got to do the hard work and, you know, you may not make the varsity team your freshman year, but that doesn't mean you quit, you know, like you same thing with the failing thing. Like you're not failing. If you don't make varsity, you still made JV, you still made the team. You got, you know, just concepts like that, but a lot of attitudes that I've, I'm noticing, even just with my experience with youth athletes is that. Yeah. I think too, I'm a, I've, I've been talking about that subject a lot. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, but one ahead. thing I was, I was thinking too is because a lot of parents these days, like if I spend ten to $20,000 a year traveling around the country to be good at a sport, they think because they did all this, that if they're coming in their freshman year, they should be varsity. Hmm. and some places you might be depending on where you live at but some places no it's probably another little johnny or megan that parents spent more money and was more devoted than your kids so i think that entitlement of well i didn't spend but i'm now i'm geared towards wrestling well i spend thirty thousand dollars a year traveling my son across the country to become the best wrestler you know he should be varsity but it's like not yeah oh that's that was a note that I actually wrote down to ask you about was that entitlement piece. How do you handle that? I deal with a lot now. So uh, one thing here for our kids, you know, we try not to, we try to preach it every day. It's hard because, you know, this is a prep school, so it is a little different with that. But, you know, the only thing, you know, the sport of wrestling is just so humble and it's so true of a sport that, you know, you will get humble quick. The thing, though, that I just kind of wrote down that, you know, when you're talking about mental health is the social media aspect changed a lot. Like, because kids, you know, they might get more following with social media, even in the sport of wrestling, as small as it is, they're afraid maybe to take a loss or to do something that might consider failure, that it makes it hard. And mentally, you know, it's something somebody pins you, in a big match, it's on a video clip throughout Instagram being shown over and over again. So it's hard to deal with the mental aspect of that, which I get. I mean, you know, I, I, everybody in the sport of wrestling or sometime in some sport has had something that embarrassing that they didn't like. And, you know, I can imagine it still haunts me in my dreams. So I can see if yeah. it's for the world to see on a video. So I can definitely see that aspect of it. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> That's so yeah, true. Social media—that's a whole other. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, that, that gives them a whole. I think this generation another aspect to deal with, right? Is something got recorded of you losing, or you got hit hard in a football game? Like, you know, it could be some mean teenager out there videotaping it and sending it out the whole school mm-hmm. and playing the clip over and over again. So. Oh yeah, and you know that's happening. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was another thing, like kind of like the fitness curriculum for middle school, the team sports curriculum. Um, you know, we had a really rough team sports group last school year, like both semesters, like because they get a new class each semester with the elective. And my colleague and I were just really struggling. I think it was with the entitlement, with the attitudes, like art, like we were roughing the games and they would scream in our faces. And I'm like, hey. No. And I ended up having like an intervention. Like I took all of those kids, we went into a classroom setting and I'm like, you have to earn the right to go back to the gym and play, but we need to teach you. Like, this is more, more than like, I didn't want it to seem like a punishment. Like in a way it was like, you don't, you should just know not to talk to adults like that. Number one, but number two, like, this is more of a crisis of you just aren't educated on how to handle a youth sport. And it's my job to teach you that. So we're going to start. So yeah. I kind of created this like team sports one-on-one, like how to be a teammate. That, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good one because, you know, I have uh, kids who have been recruited. I don't know if you know too much about Penn state, but Penn state is the best wrestling program in the country for its college wrestling. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
uh, one of our kids went and visited and, you know, his teammates was there with him. And the coach is kind of like, man, I noticed that his teammates didn't engage with him as much. And that's a no-no for us because hmm. we want kids who are good teammates. We're a winning program. And if you mess up our team culture, we don't want you. And I, it's just funny that he said that on a recruiting visit. He hmm. noticed it. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's huge. And we like, cause, and even with a sport like wrestling, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I'm not super educated right. on it, but wrestling is similar to cross country and track that it is yeah. an individual sport, but it's also a hey. team. And it's yeah. so easy. I mean, I can speak from experience. Like I was egotistical for sure at my young and dumb areas of life at times. And it was so easy to get caught up in my performance and me placing top whatever and kind of forgetting about everyone else at times, like it happens. But that, I mean, we have to be taught how to be a teammate. And I think a lot of, again, this is an opinion, this may be very naive of me to say, but just with my experiences, I think a lot of, um, there are coaches out there that don't hone in on that aspect of it, or they may, they may say it, but are we doing it? Are you showing it? You know, yeah. and I think kids are really struggling. They don't know how to be a teammate. They, me, 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 I, 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 if I'm not number one, then I don't want to do it. Like, that's just what I witnessed yeah. in just in PE, like just PE games that we play. <laughs> like, it, it, it's so crazy too. Like I said, they're yelling at you during the game and that behavior is just learned. I mean, you think about why is it such a ref shortage in all these little league clubs and nobody wants to referee the basketball games or these football games anymore because parents are yelling like they're so entitled to think everything's supposed to be judged right okay people gonna make mistakes they're rough and bad mm-hmm. you know it, it happens your job is to overcome it yep exactly Ooh, that's a marble one that's a goosebump <laughs> yeah. it's so true it is it really is true and i after I did that little class experiment with the team sports, I think I was only in there for one class period because it went so well, surprisingly. Like I felt like the kids really got a wake up call to er their behavior, you know, and I gave a few detentions for (laughs) for it too. But like, I'm like, we cannot act this way. But as your coaches, as your teachers, it's our job to teach you through these things. And, you know, if, yeah, we're your teachers, but we're also the refs in your tournaments in these PE games that we're doing in team sports. And you cannot yell at us. Like you will not argue with me. You will not cause a scene. If you have a question, ask. And I, we, we will be happy as the refs, you know, in this scenario to explain to you why that happened, but you are not going to get up in our face. Cause that's how it was. I mean, these kids in a team sports game, were literally coming up in our faces. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> this, we need to change this. And after we had that one class, it was, I mean, that alone just gives me goosebumps because right. it changed so much. They were amazing. We looked forward to going to that class the rest of the semester when before we really dreaded it. I hated fifth hour. I could not. Ugh, yeah, I and, and that's the, you know, the cool thing about like, you know, teaching stuff like that I think you know that's the part of teaching that I miss when you get to do stuff like that and really see the change you know that's you know even though it's, it's like what's that maybe be middle school and eighth grade and you'd be surprised some of those kids never forget that stuff yeah and it, it, <laughs> it yeah it was it was it was really eye-opening even for me because I've I've taught team sports for what five came out like five years ago and I would, I'm such a rule follower, like whatever the curriculum or whatever the roadmap says, like we have to do it. And this wasn't in the curriculum, but I'm like, screw it. Like this, it needs to be like, this needs to be something that has to be talked. And I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of hating teaching this. Yeah. Like oh, that's the part that really sucks, right? You get a bad group and they, oh, it just brings bad memories. It's like, oh, I got this class this day. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. teachers shouldn't be like that, right? It shouldn't. It should be. It shouldn't. And that's the fun part of teaching is like every day should be different. You know, everybody has their bad days, but you want to enjoy every kid that's in the class. So yes, that's and that's exactly what that experience did. It it genuinely made me enjoy every kid in that class moving forward because they knew. And like it was so cute to see, like when we would after that experience, when we got back into you know team sports world. Um, if the kids would start to get worked up they would just look at you or the co- they look at me and they'd be like, huh. you know, yeah. catch themselves. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, this is, this is beautiful. Like, this is all I could and, ever hope for. 
And if they really took that, I mean, that, that's really how playing real sports is. The more you get worked up, the less your performance becomes. Like, you got to be able to, like, shake it off and move on to the next. So, you know, that was probably a valuable lesson if they really took it to heart. Yeah, I hope so. It was great. And we haven't had to do it this year. I mean, they've been – because I think in the beginning of this new school year, we already taught those principles. You know, we kind of incorporated yeah. that in the beginning. So it's been really good. But I think another important thing, and I'm sure you can agree to this, is, yeah, we're teaching our athletes how to win and be successful, but being successful is also learning how to lose properly. Yeah, failure. <laughs> yeah, exactly what you said. Like, you know, a lot of kids don't handle it well, and it's like – it happens and you have to yeah. learn how to behave appropriately. Even when you fail, like you can't go off the walls and act like an idiot. But, you know? but I'm, I'm going to say this just because, you know, if you talk to my mom, she'll tell you, I was, I never met a good loser. So I, I guess I'll say I was a sore loser, whatever. I mean, I, growing up, I was like bad. I mean, I, I still to this day, uh, I'm still, I guess I would say kind of a, a sore loser. I guess I'll say that, but it doesn't show. I'm not going to show it, right? But I haven't met too many successful people who win a lot who does. You know what I'm saying? Like, it yeah. is what it is. But, but I mean, like, I would lose a football game, and I remember throwing my hammer against the wall in the house. Putting off. I mean, I was bad. I was yeah. bad with it. But that's where wrestling came in and kind of helped me not have that as much. Because even when you lose, you had to shake the other guy's hand and go shake the coach's hand. So, and I remember one time I didn't shake the coach. The kid's hand, and my coach yelled at me like, "No, that's not how we behave." He kicked your butt. You shake his hand, and maybe you go get him next time. But uh, so yeah, I think that's the aspect that wrestling gives you, and I think every sport should give you, for the most part, that aspect. You, you know, what happens in between the lines on a mat, you know, it happened and it's over. You shake hands, and you know, and losing, like I said, it sucks. It, it hurts. But what losing does, if you take it right, it'll make you go back and, and you'll learn more about yourself, your tactics, technique, whatever it is. So, you know, it's a it's a chance for growth. So you got to have a growth mindset with it. So, but yeah, and learn how to handle it, right? I think, you know, I, I, you know looking at my athletic years, I think that, you know, I, I didn't handle it right either sometimes. Now, it definitely motivated me, but right, but... Mm -hmm. I think, you know, if you can learn from it and, and move on, the better you are and be accountable. You know, the main thing is, well, I did this, I did that. Once you accept your loss, especially in a combat sport like wrestling or jujitsu, you got to accept it. I messed up. I lost. What did I do? I mean, we had a situation, too, just recently. One of our kids, we were at Super 32's wrestling tournament, the biggest high school tournament in the country this fall. And, and we told him to pick top. He got he had to do the ultimate ride out where he had to ride a guy. If he stays on top, he wins. If he uh he wins the match. And he had the choice of picking top or bottom. And he we told him to pick top. And immediately he made a mistake when the whistle blew. And the kid reversed him and he lost the match. And he came off the mat immediately yelling, Why'd you make me pick top? And my assistant coach immediately, like, no, no, no. You gotta be accountable. If you want to do something else, you should have did it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, he was acting like a little baby there for a little bit. And, you know, once we finally, you know, I'm all about relationships. The better relationship, the more you can talk about it and and get over it. But you, especially in sports period, you can't never know your psychological side until you talk about it with people. And I was like, what were you thinking? And basically what I came to the conclusion was the movement was too big for you. You're about to upset the number one seed. And you couldn't believe it. Like, I'm about to do it. And yep. but you, you, you had a, a brain freeze. And that goes to the sports performance part of it. But, you know, immediately you want to blame somebody, but you couldn't. Yep. So. Yep. No, that's a fantastic point. Accountability. That is huge, 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 huge. Like, we even in, the, in this year for team sports, we're, we just try new things with it every year. But, like, we now do, like, each unit we do like day one is tryouts and we just do like three little skills for yeah, that. That's awesome. Yeah. And we just rate them. We tell them what we do. Like we just walk around, we give you a score of one to five on the skill and like move on. And then we'll just divide you and there'll be a varsity team and a JV team. So in our thought process by that, as we're preparing them for reality, like that's the truth. Like that's how it's going to be. You have to learn to kind of cope with that. And yeah. I remember we started off with the football units. It was nice outside and football was going on. 
Um, and of course, football athletes naturally made the varsity team sports team. Right. <laughs> uh, and went great. Well, then the next sport that we did, I don't remember which one it was, but a lot of those varsity athletes made JV and team sports for <laughs> volleyball or something. Right. And we even were telling them that, like, hey, you may be the best at football and soccer and basketball, but you may be the worst in volleyball, and that's okay. Like you yeah. have to overcome that. And um, oh, these kids were so upset. Like they were, and they were so embarrassed. Like I'm on JV, <laughs> and I'm like, guys, you have to remember. Literally, once you leave this class, no one's gonna care. This is just for team sports. It's just to teach you little things. And I, they're like, well, why did I make JV? And I'm like, okay. And I showed them their results, and I was like, and you remember, you were trying to show off with volleyball, and you were just smacking it, like. Yeah. It's all going to be taken into consideration. Like the real world, you act like that and try out, you probably won't be asked to come back. <laughs> like, that's, just, yeah. like that. But that's a fun thing I remember about team sports too, is learning all the sports. So that's so, that's so awesome. I'm going to go to another scenario too. I remember I had a kid uh, who was a senior, kind of what you said. And he was a senior, but because of how the wrestling lineup was, he couldn't fit in right away. Mm-hmm. But I knew the second semester, when everybody like shifted and went down the weight or went up, I was going to be able to slide them in. And it's, it's a, and I was like, hey, I can't slide you in now, but let's keep you wrestling some JV matches. So when your time comes, when I can slide you in, you'll be ready. Mm-hmm. But they were like, hey, coach, I'm a senior. I'm not going to wrestle JV. So it's just too embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And so he never would listen to me because it was too embarrassing. And then when his time came, you wasn't ready. Yep. That's a fantastic piece of (laughs) advice and story with that. Like, that's a, yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. I didn't. Do you have to play speedball in team sports? We did it once in middle a lot. I haven't done it yet at North Point this year, but we did do it. I love speedball. I I play speedball to see her. No, it's it's a good skill development. Pivot, passing lanes. Heck yeah. All of it. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. I'm glad you actually said that. I need to make that as a mental note as we transition. We need the kids would love that in team sports for sure. Um I did what one more thing I wanted to ask you. Um oh, okay. So kind of like at the end of each episode, as much as I want to keep freaking learning more about your life, I know you no, have I a appreciate too. <laughs> yeah. Um Will you give, um, so like if it's a high school, some really my target audience for this podcast is adolescents and young adults, like college age, thirties, any, whoever, uh, whoever can listen to this, but I always try to end with like a level up session of, you know, if you could, you know, what do we want our audience to get from this episode? So what key things of advice, like if you're thinking kind of what this whole thing encompassed, right? Like being the best athlete you can physically, mentally, academically, you know, what would, how would you kind of end this episode? And what would you say to people listening to this? I would say one, to always be a lifelong learner. I know that quote has been used before, but I think it is definitely true. I think uh, too, whether you're an athlete, you always got to be able to learn and, and, and focus on what the good somebody's telling you, right? No matter what your situation is. And and two, as a coach, you always have to evolve. I think, you know, you have to be in with the social media now. You have to be in with NIL deals. You have to understand, you know, the concept of what's happening in college sports and who are the, the top college coaches as NAIA and Division One. So don't don't forget any of the coaches. And, and able to have your network to where you can help out any kid and where they want to go, I think is is a big deal. You know, you're, we're kind of basically servants. As a coach, you're a servant. So mm-hmm. our job is to serve. You know, sometimes it's it's painful, but that's that's the job is to serve. And the better you are serving, the better coach or mentor or leader you can be. Goosebump jar, where are <laughs> you? <laughs> it's so true. Teaching and yeah. coaching is definitely a servant. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, awesomeness. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad you did your podcast. It was awesome that you uh, started that. Good for you. That I think it's great. And I think, uh, you know, you doing this, I definitely, you know, you don't know where to take you. And I will say this too, like, that's how this job found me because I started my podcast. And Gosh. 
Yeah, they just caught a couple episodes. They were looking at all these. My podcast is only on uh, Rockfin under Missouri Wrestling, mm-hmm. and but it's a wrestling website. See, I got that plug in there. Yes, <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> but you know, because they were looking for good coaches, that's how they found me. And I think you know, you just never know where this thing takes you. So kudos for you for doing that and and getting more knowledge. So sweet. I appreciate it. Well, it's you guys. It's the guests I have on here that are providing all the knowledge. So I mm-hmm. am so grateful that you took the time to do this. It was so nice to reconnect. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll be back in Thanksgiving. I usually come home Halloween, but it's on a Tuesday. So I always take my son trick-or-treating. So this is going to be the first one I'm going to miss. So I'm a little sad for that, but oh. I'll come back for Thanksgiving. So yeah, well, maybe I connect with you. I'll reconnect sometime and get dinner. Yeah. Do you go to the high school at all and see any of those? coaches and teachers up there yeah um I I actually myself I just quit all coaching after last spring because I need a break I have a lot going on with my doctorate and stuff but um so when I was coaching I was all over the place but I'm not really I try to stay connected with them on Twitter I like watching whatever he's doing but get your doctor that's huge that's that's the end of life learning (laughs) (laughs) your doctor's in um it's through our school, school, Walden University. It's going to be in health psychology. All right. All right. All right. So you're going to end up being working at the university somewhere. Now, you say you're right teaching college, right? Yeah. I teach adjunct for Lindenwood and Mobap right now. Wow. So yeah. Yeah, that's the hope way down the road whenever I don't want to teach. Yeah. Lindenwood. A lot of people like, like teaching at the university. They say that's a way easier Easier gig there. <laughs> I like so. it. I like the adult conversations you get to have at that age. And I yeah. don't know. It's fun. No, it's awesome. It's awesome. All right. Well, thank you for having me on. I think. Well, All right. you- <laughs> See ya. I hope you found our conversation with Coach Robinson as inspiring and enlightening as I did. Before we wrap up, let's dive into our Level Up segment, where we distill the wisdom from today's discussion into actionable advice that you can apply to your own journey. Number one, embrace the grind. Success in athletics in life comes from the hard work and dedication you put in day after day. Embrace the grind and you'll find yourself evolving into the athlete that you've always aspired to be. Number two, mental toughness is key. Our conversation highlighted the significance of mental resilience. It's not just about physical strength. Cultivating a tough mindset is what sets champions apart. Take the time to nurture your mental game and you'll be unstoppable. Number three, set goals, but enjoy the journey. Coach Robinson's journey reminds us that while setting goals is crucial, it's equally important to savor the moments along the way. Life is a series of experiences, so set your sights high, but don't forget to appreciate the process. Number four, be a lifelong learner. Coach Robinson's success is rooted in a commitment to the continuous learning. Whether you're an athlete, a student, or anyone pursuing a dream, always be open to new knowledge. The journey to success is an ongoing education. And number five, surround yourself with champions. As Coach Robinson exemplifies, the company that you keep matters. Surround yourself with those who inspire you and uplift you. Together, you can achieve greatness. As always, guys, I encourage you to reflect on these bits of wisdom and apply them to your own path. Thank you for joining us today, and please don't forget to subscribe, share, and stay tuned for more empowering conversations. See you next time.